Good morning, church. Got nervous there for a minute. I pulled out a piece of paper and I looked at it and it was blank. And I thought, well, this will be a short sermon. Well, it was on the other side, so <clears throat> sorry. Good to have everyone here today. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, guys up there in the sound booth, Cliff, you might bump me up a little bit. I'm gonna been a little struggling this week, and uh, uh, or I don't know, you might want to turn me down. You start hearing all this junk coming out of my throat. But anyway, we're uh, been struggling a little bit there, so we're gonna do the best we can here today. Uh, Anderson Stokes, come up here and read this verse for us today. This young lady is ten years old. I know she goes to OCS. Plays softball, which is one of my favorite things to watch is softball. And by the way, I, uh, I recently went and heard you sing. She's a singer. Nothing like having all the talent wrapped up in one person, is it? Uh, uh, she can sing. I heard her sing in the honor choir, uh, concert the other day, along with some of our other young people. Y'all did a great job, by the way. So thanks for reading our verse this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside these still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Ye, though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you. Great job, Anderson. Excellent job. Excellent job. You know, this uh, psalm is uh, uh, done at so many what? You tell me what kind of event is this done at? Funerals. Uh, but it's not about death. It's a psalm about life. And so uh, Clay mentioned earlier we, he was hosting. I went in there for the booth for a little bit and he's like, Okay, you gotta promise me if you're part of doing my funeral, I gotta have Psalm 23. And I told him, it ain't about death, Clay, it's about life. He said, I know, I'm, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be living, right? That's right, there's life after death. Uh, when, uh, it, it's a Psalm that our world, and as Christians living in a world, really need right now. Let, let me tell you why. Anytime there is a decrease, in truth or absolutes, there's an increase in chaos. If there's a decrease in absolutes, there's an increase in chaos. If you don't think that's true in our culture, just let's think about it. what used to be simple that now is complicated and chaotic. It used to be simple that people understood God was creator of the universe, and now that gets questioned all the time. It was simple that he made them in his image, male and female. Which, by the way, starting next Sunday, we're gonna, I'm going to be teaching Dave's and them's class. We're going to deal with some of this whole culture of gender 
things that's messed up the image of God and the truths that, that exist there. But uh, but now, uh, all of a sudden, that's questioned. That absolute has gone out the window. And, that, and as a result, all the gender identity things become very chaotic, right? And now you've got schools and kids who are minors being encouraged by leaders in a school to change their own gender, even without parents even being talked to about. Do you think this is not a chaotic time in this world and culture? We need this psalm. We need some stability in our lives to stay anchored to what's most important. Within the believers, because you and I, God shows us to be the light of the world, to shine like stars in the universe. It's a dark place. And God has chosen to use the church to shine in our own culture. And so there's a great need for this psalm. Uh, part of this psalm, well, really the whole thing, it's so beautiful that uh, I was really tempted not to do much at all with it because I didn't want to try to over-explain it or expand it so much that I dis- di- diminished the beauty of just the psalm itself. And so that's kind of the task I have here at hand, preaching. If you're, if you're a preacher, Dave, you understand that sometimes, you know, you have something really good. And you're kind of like, I want to say some things about this, but I don't want to really take away from it as I'm talking about it. So that's kind of a little bit of a challenge here. Also don't want to overuse or overexplain the metaphor that's used here, which happens a lot in this Psalm 2, talking about sheep and shepherds. Because you get about halfway down, it doesn't really make sense that you have sheep at a table inside a house eating and drinking. So, so sometimes that gets overexplained or overused. And to, But there's some really, really good insights in this Psalm 2. So... Let's uh, let's dive into this a little bit. Uh, first thing I want us to do is I just want to know, notice how it's written. It's written very personal, right? It's my shepherd. I like nothing. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. I walk. I fear not. He comforts me. A table before me. My head. My cup. I dwell in a house forever. I mean, David writing this is, is very personal. All those kind of me and I statements that are made. And the application belongs to us too. So it's not just a public song being sung by a congregation of people, like a lot of the psalms are, but it's, it's very personal. It's also musical. Remember, it's a song. Uh, John, I started to ask you to sing the uh, uh, song. Dave, you'll remember it from camp. Uh, remember the little song, I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd. Remember that song? Uh, and uh, and uh, there's some more older traditional songs about uh, that have been written out of this. The Lord is my shepherd. <clears throat> it's a song. And in music, sometimes you have a, a great uh, note or a thought. Cast within a chord, a major chord that has all these great strong harmonies that just, that, that say victory all over them, you know? Or that say beauty or that say wholeness. That's what a whole chord does in music. 
But then there are times when you look at some of the different kind of psalms, by the matter of fact, some of them are laments, and there's brokenness, and those tend to be like uh, we would think, uh, uh, and John could speak to this better than I could in the music side of it, but it'd be like a minor chord, you know. And, and there's an offness there, there's a, there's a sadness there, there's a lament there, uh, and, and, and David goes through those, those kinds of times in his life, right? And then all of a sudden you come back to realizing that in this or, disorientation that I'm living in, and I'm hiding in a cave, and I'm running from kings, and all these kinds, and then all of a sudden back to a major chord that says victory all over it again, because God's my hope, and his word sustains me, and he delivers me, and you have all those kinds of things sung by David. Uh, I don't think David was really, real young, like some people think, when he wrote this. I mean, I think he'd already, he knows what it's like to walk through the, Valley of the Shadow of Death, right? But it's, so it's musical. It has, a, it has a movement to it. There's two movements. There's one, uh, this movement with the metaphor of the uh, outside sheep and a shepherd. And then there's the movement of the inside around a table and a cup and a house. And it's mer- metaphorical as it pictures those two different kinds of things. Now notice what it provides. It provides contentment it provides direction guidance uh, provides uh, protection comfort in dark times there's a rod that that's a weapon there's a staff that draws near and nudges us in the right way all those things are what it provides nourishment intimacy confidence so let's just take a little bit of time and walk through we're going to walk through the first four verses and get this outside picture of a shepherd and sheep. And then we'll walk through the inside picture of a table and a cup and a house. Okay? All right. Uh, I do say open your Bible. Uh, I do think sometimes, I, one, it's a, remember what David said? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against you. So I love the fact that so many people have memorized this psalm. That's great. When Anderson was reading it, I'm looking out at the audience and I saw people's lips moving. They were quoting the psalm as she was reading it. Especially out of the old King James version, which a lot of you grew up with and reciting this psalm. But let's look at it. Open your Bibles or open your memory wherever you can access this, these verses and let's dive into it a little bit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. One virgin says, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Let's deal with a little bit of that section. A mere human being, broken as I am, and yet I am the object of divine love and attention. It's the Lord who's the shepherd, right? The creator of the universe, the one that hung the, the moon and the stars. I'll tell you what, I, man, last night, the moon, I don't know if you were outside at night. The moon was just splendid last night in its fullness. It's beautiful. 
I was out at the track for a little bit, and I was just looking at the beauty of the moon. And I was thinking about the greatness of God's creation. The creator of the universe that hung the stars and the moon and the sun that made the oceans and all the beautiful things that exist. That creator looks down and loves me personally. Loves me, Mike Kellett, and all my mess ups and brokenness. And is my shepherd. My personal caretaker. The Lord is my shepherd. He brings contentment. I like nothing. Now, usually when we have a lack of contentment and we're wanting things, it's usually because all of a sudden something else is trying to be the shepherd of our lives. And with me, that's usually me trying to be it, you know. I'm trying to decide what's best for me or I'm trying to decide what I need. But all of a sudden, then I get dissatisfied and I want other things that God really doesn't need me to want. But boy, I do. And my will gets in the way. But when the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need for contentment. I have everything I need for satisfaction. The Lord is my shepherd. He brings contentment. He brings nourishment. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me besides still or one version says quiet waters green pastures pastures of nourishment let me just say if your pastures are brown and your water is rough then you better trade in your shepherd and get mine you know what I'm saying? Because some of us, and that's the good shepherd, right, Kurt? Jesus. And he's the one we need. Because all of a sudden, when if I follow other kind of guidance and things for nourishment in my life, I end up in desperate places, brown pastures and burnt pastures. And I end up with all kinds of, of running water that's drowning me and swelling around me. Troubled waters follow me. And what I really need to do is find my contentment and my my, and, and, my, and, and the one that I need to follow needs to be the good shepherd. He gives me green pastures and still waters. And oh, do I ever desire that peace. Some of us are living in very unpeaceful situations. We've let the world trouble us way too much. We act like what's on TV is real. You know, they don't show you everything on there. But a lot of bad news. I'm telling you, you better eat out of green pastures. Not out of social media. He restores my soul. You've been there, right? That brokenness in your life and... Have a realization how terrible sin is and you've messed up and you just need to turn to the shepherd and let him restore your soul. That means give back life. Sin takes life away. It causes death. God's in the business of restoring and giving life back. Green pastures, still waters, he restores my soul. And he guides me. 
And look here. It's, it gives me the right direction for his name's sake. It's to God's glory. It's honoring him. He's the Lord. He's the shepherd. He's the Jehovah that provides and takes care of and that rules the kingdoms of, of this world and every other world. He's it. The great God I am. And his direction is what he gives me. But boy, when I fail to submit to that, I run into all kinds of problems in my life. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. His namesake. He has a covenant with his people. It's a covenant of love. It's a covenant that God is always faithful to. And it's a covenant not based upon our ability to keep our word. It's based upon God's ability to keep his. And he always does. <clears throat> says that uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, some of your versions may say, Darkest ways. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Darkest times. There are dark times going to come to everybody's life, right? There's going to be things happen within our families, things happen with people we love, within our own hearts. It's going to be some tough, difficult ways. Sometimes it might be because of our own sinfulness. Sometimes it might be just because of injustice that exists in the world. Sometimes it's just brokenness in people's life. But we're walking through this valley that's tough and it's hard and it's dark. But we don't have to fear. And David says, I, I, I fear no evil here. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever walked in the dark and you let fear get inside your mind, it's, it's a scary thing, right? I think I've told you this before, but I, uh, where I, I grew up back home in Pocahontas, Arkansas, and the, my house was on the street not real far from the school and the ball fields, and we played ball all the time. And so you either rode your bicycle or you... Uh, walked over to the ball fields and played and whatever and, and walked home. And so, and I'd always stay to the, you know, I mean, till the last game was over. And so, uh, and so I can remember as a little boy, I, I'd been to the ball field, uh, played a game, stayed and watched. And so, uh, afterwards I'm hanging around a little bit longer than normal because usually I could walk home and the lights would shine a pretty good amount on the beginning of that walk. And I could get around the corner and then I could see a street light at my house. So I had light all the time. Well, I left a little bit late one time and they turned the lights out. And it was dark. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Pitch dark. The opposite of what I saw last night when I looked in the sky. And so I'm on the edge of the road and I'm walking and it's dark and I can't see even though I'm so familiar with the place. And I, I thought I heard something in the bush. I don't know what it was, but I'm sure it was something very big and terrible. 
And so I kind of eyeballed it. I didn't want to act like I was scared, you know, afraid somebody might see me. But I'm kind of looking over there. So I walk a little faster. And then here comes a car coming by. And then I'm going to imagine oh, that there's there's mean people in that car. I, I got to get over here where they can't see me, you know. And then uh, I, and, and then I I hear something else, and I'm walking faster. And then all of a sudden I start jogging, and I see the porch light at my house, and that's like hope, you know. So, there's hope, and I'm running up to the front porch. Now, contrary to what the, anybody who investigated the situation, no one ever really found anything terrible. But there was something there, I promise you. And it motivated me. I was moved by fear. How comforting to old David it must have been. Even though tons of people trying to take his own life in the darkness times in the valleys that I will fear no evil. Evil's not going to get a victory here. Fear's not going to get a victory here. Just not going to happen. Well, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So on the shepherd idea, the rod was a weapon. It was something you could beat off the uh, wolves or whatever happened to come by. It was a weapon to be used to protect. The staff, that's what we typically think of, has the big hook on it, you know. The staff was there to, to nudge the sheep in a little bit of the right direction or to reach over and put that crook around and pull them a little bit closer to you, get them, get them over here near you. The rod and the staff. These tools in the shepherd's hand. They do something for me. They bring me great comfort. As God protects me from the enemies and draws me near to him. Isn't that what the New Testament writer said? Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He's always close to the brokenhearted. Close to those who are crushed in spirit. God's there. He's there. Then all of a sudden, this uh, really metaphor changes over the next couple of verses. Look what he says here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you see three things here. You see the table, you see the cup, and you see the house. So now we're inside. Before we were outside, sheep and shepherds, now we're inside. And he prepares a table, and this table is a table of victory. You're going to sit at this table with the Lord, and now you're sitting right here in the presence of your enemies. It's a table of victory. It's a table of intimacy. The host, the Lord Jesus, has you right here at this table. This is the picture we get. Sometimes we get this picture out of Revelation. We see everybody around the table, right? Feasting and being together as a forever family. So it's this table here that God brings us to, and we're His children. It's home for us. It's not. We're not just visiting. And look, it's an honor to be at this table. It's a great honor. Instead of all the brokenness that exists in my life and the mess ups I have, 
God then rescues me, but He not only that, He honors me. He anoints my head with oil. You're like, why would you do that, God? How could you do that, knowing me? And this points to the cross. Let's take a look at my son. For God so loved. Mm. How easily we forget the shepherd's love. In Isaiah, we read, turn over here and read Isaiah 6. And he, he talks about a little table here. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. The finest of wines. So, by the way, if you've had to give that up in your life, uh, don't, don't worry, in heaven you, you're going to get it back. <laughs> and it won't be addictive and it won't cause chaos like it's caused in your life recently, right? On this mountain, he'll destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will, I love this verse, he will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. This is a table where disgrace is gone. Sin is gone. Tears are gone. Fears are gone. Brokenness is gone. It's a table of victory. A table of intimacy with our Father. And it's a table of plenty. Look what he says about the cup. The cup overflows. Overflows. When I was a student here in the school years ago, I had two roommates, Gary Stevenson and Raymond McDaniel, who never did quite treat me right. You can quote me on that. Tell to them, make sure they hear this sermon somewhere. So I give them a hard time. And they would make fun of the fact that I would pour my, uh, well, we used to call it soda pop, but, you, you know, Coca-Cola, whatever. And I'd always fill my glass with that or tea all the way up to the, you know, pretty close to the edge. And they'd make fun about how much I'd always fill, you know. And so, so if they ever poured me something, I mean, they got it all the way to the very, I mean, you could not move the cup without it coming out. And, I, and they would, I'd say, why did you do that? Feel so full. And they're just making fun of me. And so, I mean, I couldn't pick it up without it. You know, so I'd have to reach down and slurp, slurp some of it out before I could actually pick the cup up. Or I'd spill it everywhere. <clears throat> That's pretty full. But when it overflows, what does it do? It just comes out and gets over everything. 
And there's more than enough. And he says, your cup overflows. There's more than enough. There's plenty. It's coming out. It's over everything. And I think there's a reason it overflows. It overflows to be shared with other people. We have an overflowing cup. And we've got a need to, to, to spread this on to some other folks, right? So we're at this table. And it's, we're intimate with the Father. It's a table of victory over our enemies. And we have enough that we can even share with other people that are around us. My cup overflows. Oh. Then he says this. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Think about this David, the writer, now having this kind of confidence. Now, this word for follow is a little stronger than what we get out of the English. The matter of fact, the, even the, the, the goodness here is actually the hesed, the steadfast love. You know, we sing about our limitations, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. It's that covenant steadfast love. That's the goodness described here. And mercy. And this word for follow is not just that it's walking along behind you. It's the word for pursue. God's love, God's love, steadfast love, and cup pursues you, chases after you. His mercy is running after you. God's love is running towards you. He's chasing you. And so when you're tempted, think about this. Uh, you've got the Lord as your shepherd. He's giving you direction and He's giving you victory and all these good things. And when you're tempted to, to, like some sheep do, to kind of get off the path and get in the wrong way, remember, it's God's covenant of love and God's great desire for you that He's going to chase after you. That one sheep out of 99 and He does what? He goes and gets him, puts him on the shoulder and carries him home. David understood that this great blessedness of God's goodness and love, his steadfast promises from his heart, and the mercy coupled with mercy and grace pursues you. So with confidence, now, he can walk in this life. And what's going to be the end result? I'm going to live someone. I'm going to dwell somewhere. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How's your dwelling place, by the way? You know, mine's a mess. Well, it has been. It's a whole lot better now. Uh, <clears throat> we we did a little remodeling in there, and uh, uh, and so far our marriage has survived. Uh, I mean, it hadn't been without a few rough spots, but it's you know we're okay. And look, we just didn't we didn't we only did a couple of rooms. I don't know what people do that do their whole house. I so uh, of all things, you know, uh, you know, you know how construction is. You have to wait. Timing has to be. This crew has to come this time and this time. And so we've been waiting on the flooring guy, and they, and they and and so they're come. They came this last week. Well, that was the week I got sick, and so like I'm down in the bed Monday afternoon and all day Tuesday, and I'm just hiding in the back room, 
as they're in there doing all the flooring stuff that they do. It makes for a real comfortable healing place. You know what I'm saying? It was my dwelling place. It's where I had to stay. In John chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt. Dwelling. He dwelt among us. He, he pitched his tabernacle. That's the word he tabernacled. He pitched his tent to live with us and to dwell with us. But it was a, a temporary thing in the sense of how we're going to dwell with him forever. Because we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord. And there won't be a need for remodeling. Won't have to paint anything. God's got our dwelling place all lined up for us. As you've heard it said, heaven's a prepared place for prepared people, right? Jesus led the way when he went back to heaven. And one day he's going to come and get us, take us all home. I'm telling you, I'm really looking forward to that day, to be honest with you. Because I want to take us back to the beginning of this thing. When you look at the chaos in the world, don't you just get sick of things like that? I'm going to love to live in a house, in a dwelling place, in a community of people. I'm going to love being with people. Forever. Now, I know some of you might have just got scared. Wait a minute, I gotta be with you forever. Well, you know, you can be on the other side or something. It's all right. But forever. And when we get to that dwelling place, our whole terminology changes. You see, there will be no more walking through the shadow of death. Because you'll never go to a doctor and hear the word cancer. You'll never hear the word chemo. You'll never hear the word funeral. You never hear the word addiction. Never. In heaven. Language will change. You'll hear words like victory, freedom, love, joy, peace. Green pastures, still waters, cups being filled till they're just overflowing. Feasting together with the Father, with the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is, say it. The Lord is, one more time, the Lord is my shepherd. Is he yours? Let the shepherd renew you. If you're in brown pastures and troubled waters today, It's time to get a new shepherd.
If your life is in doubt about whether you're going to dwell with the Lord forever, now's a good time to get all those doubts aside. Make Jesus Lord. Right before this service, folks were baptized into Christ. They made Jesus Lord. I've never met him. Saw him briefly in the water. But I'm going to dwell with him in the house of the Lord forever and ever. That's going to be a good thing. I don't want anybody in any of our two rooms or hear me last year. I don't want you to walk out of the place you're in without the confidence that God's love has chased you to the point that you've made Him your shepherd and you're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. It's victory. It's victory. Don't miss out. Be renewed by the shepherd. If you have a need, you can come while we stand and sing.